Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by the Happy Beginnings Massage Parlor. Let's face it, life is hard, and sometimes you just don't have any time to waste. So here at Happy Beginnings, you can come right in and get down to business. We'll get you in and out lickety-split. If life's got you by the balls, we can too. We can help you release your stress and then some. And if you're feeling overextended, our service can't be beat. Afraid to ask? Don't be. Don't beat around the bush. That's our job. Stop in today for a good old-fashioned rubdown. If you need it, we'll need it. We've even been bestowed with the highest possible honor, the Robert Kraft Seal of Approval. Happy beginnings, because who's got time to wait for a happy ending? Patent pending. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. What's up, Braves fans? Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our good friends at TickSplits. TickSplits is the new number one destination for any online ticket ticket purchases for only the fanciest of people, though. I'm talking sporting events, concerts, plays, theater, whatever it is. TickSplits has you covered. I'm sorry, no movies, nothing like that, but they they know how to do it right. As far as online ticket buyers go, Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, all, StubHub, these guys, they're all going to charge you a seat fee, something like just that a little extra $25 charge for every seat that you buy. So if you got four people going to a game, that's $100 in seat fees. TickSplits realizes that is a bad business model, that it's kind of dumb. You shouldn't have to pay for the privilege of buying something online. It's all the same money. So they got away with that. They just did away with it. Said, eh, let's just throw that out of the way. So now TickSplits has that. And if you use our promo code armchair, not only are you not going to get a seat fee, they're going to give you 5% off your total ticket price right there at the checkout. Just use our promo code armchair and let us know how you enjoy the tick splits experience. All right. So obviously we are going to have some major news to talk about and we're going to get to that straight away. But first things first, we've got to introduce our guest, the brand new co-host of the brand new show, 
the OFR Farm Report, Matt Kritzberg. What's going on, bud? Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to the Platinum Sombrero, Matt. It's a long time coming. We've been wanting to get you on here for a really long time. Here I am. It appears we have a few things to talk about. Just a couple, right? It's not that momentous of a day. Oh, wait, psych. Ozzy Albies gets, he's next on the extension train as he gets a, it's a seven-year, $35 million, but let's be honest, it's going to end up being nine years and $45 million, which, saying that again, I'm honestly shocked that there's not a one in front of that. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I initially had thought something like seven years and 75 and with, with the two option years, uh, something similar to Acuna, but, you know, say about a quarter less, and he he didn't even get half of that. I mean, we, we are really talking about, um, as far as team-friendly deals go, this is about as team-friendly as it gets. I mean, the guy was an all-star at 21, and now he's going to be here until he's 30, so... Good day. Second straight week that we got to lead off with talking about an extension. I'm really hoping we get one for next week, too. Right. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? I mean, I was expecting something along the lines you were. I mean, talking about that $75 million range, I was about to expect about, let's say, about three quarters of what Ronald got. But, I mean, it's just a fraction. And I put up a tweet earlier that in absolute dollars, he's getting 30 cents on the dollar to what Jose Altuve got just a couple of years ago. And even it is, if he doesn't reach anywhere near, even if he doesn't reach that kind of production, it's a bargain. I mean, it's a lot more along the lines of the Whit Merrifield deal, where Merrifield got four million for his extension. Now Merrifield's thirty years old. It is important to note that Merrifield has a, a longer track record track record of success as opposed to Ozzy, who has half a season's worth. But at five million dollars, Ozzy could be closer to second half Ozzy and still be an absolute bargain as a three win type of player playing for a five million dollar deal. Well, and that's one of the points that you brought up about Acuna last week is that part of this is based on the fact that his ceiling is astronomical, but he doesn't have to get any better for this to be a bargain. But if he does, I mean, Acuna was number one prospect in the game for, for that year. And Albies was Braves' number one prospect for a year and some change, uh, consensus top 20 guy in the game. I mean, you saw what he can be last year when he's on. I mean, he is just... Just unbelievable. It, it, I didn't think that anybody got hacked last week. I was convinced since it was right after April Fool's Day. I was convinced that that uh, Ken Rosenthal or Jeff Passan got hacked by somebody. But this one, I just thought was genuinely a typo. I thought there's no way that you just locked down a 21 year old All Star who early returns for 2019 are indicating that he might be more like first half Aussie than second half. I, I didn't think that there's any way that they could lock him into into any type of deal like this. No, and it's it's one of those things, man. I, I can't really explain it other than, you, you know, you get both sides to this. Anytime that, that somebody signs an extension and somebody feels they either got too much money or too little money, then all of a sudden people come out of the woodworks to complain. And this, this extension is no different. You hear the line, oh, Liberty Media is extorting people and the Braves and AA are just stealing from guys, which I, I don't like that take for, for a couple reasons. One, Ozzy's a big boy. He can say no. Acuna said no while John Coppolella tried to get him under contract. Francisco Lindor has said no numerous times. Like Ozzy can say no. Is he underpaid? Vastly so. It is possible for both of these things to be true, though. It is very possible that the Braves got an absurdly team-friendly deal and Ozzy Albies was completely happy in signing this deal. It's okay. And in fact, that's the way that I want my deals to work out ideally. Like, 
I, I don't I don't know why people are finding some random downside. People are talking about how, oh, the MLB labor union is going to be so pissed off about this. Well, here's the thing. I don't really care about the MLB union at all. All I want is for my guys to be happy with the contracts they're given and for them to play for the Braves for longer. So this seems to check every box that I wanted. And Ozzy had a fantastic quote about how he felt about the contract. He just said that he loves playing here. He loves the fans. He loves his teammates. And he wants to be a Brave for life. So for me... You know, I grew up watching Chipper Jones never make more than like fourteen and a half million dollars. So, I this may sound weird, and I'm by no means am I ever against anybody making their money. If if you if you want to go and that's your hustle, you do you. You go do the A Rod thing. Fine, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you down for it. But I really do. It it might just be me. I just I love when players take deals like these because it shows that the game is more important to them than just maxing out their bank account. And the MLBPA, they threw the young players under the bus long ago. They're too busy chasing contracts for 30-plus-year-old players. Meanwhile, uh, everybody else is having to work for pennies. And doing this, they can kind of get that guarantee. They can circumvent that process a little bit. And as good as these deals look now, just wait until after 2021 when the CBA ends and they have to sign a new collective bargaining agreement where more of the money will most likely end up in the hands of the younger players. These deals are going to look even better at that point. I'd, I'd like the fact that you brought up the CBA. I mean, there we talked about like right after Sonny Gray signed his deal, we started talking about you're probably going to start seeing more deals like this, not because anything changed about the players themselves, but just the market is kind of always shifting and it's been growing, growing, growing till about 2017. And then, you know, we've talked about the, the bad deals for Pujols and Cabrera, and it's not it's not just those. I mean, you look at Chris Davis. I mean, that deal sucked before this hitless streak that he's been on and and Pablo Sandoval and this is the danger in, in paying for what a player has done versus what he's going to do you know and so if they're gonna guys are signing panic deals you talked about Whit Merrifield before you know what four million dollars is life-changing money and we're just going man he got hosed Sonny Gray you know he got he got 10 million Aaron Hicks all, all these guys so I think it's really really interesting that now you're starting to see that like the Braves are almost kind of paving that a little bit. And, and uh, Eloy Jimenez is another one where it's like, all right, we're going to lock in this young guy. We're going to build off this guy. And he, with no track record in the majors, pretty much, you know what I mean? Like all these had the one, one year or half a year and Acuna had one whole year. Jimenez didn't have anything. So I think that this is going to become more and more common. Like the the guys, like Kimbrel, Kimbrel's panicking right now. Keuchel is panicking because the young guys are getting paid, and the, and the old guys, older guys, because I'm older than all of these guys. <laughs> Important <laughs> distinction there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just the market is always in flux, and I've, I'm, at the end of the day, Ozzy's happy, Braves are happy, I'm real happy. <laughs> Did you, see, I mean, you, see, you saw Ozzy in the news conference. Like, he was downright giddy. Yeah. Does that look like a guy who got gypped or cheated on his contract? <laughs> right? I mean, he just – and he, the way that he talks about the city and, and being able to play with Ronald forever, like they've – just as soon as Acuna signed his deal, everybody had the same three questions. How long is it? How much is it? And how long before Ozzy signs his? They were a package deal. It didn't even take two weeks to get these guys together. And, you know, like – Think about where you were nine years ago. Think about how different things were. 
And think about how different things will be nine years from now in your life. But the, the steady, the cornerstone, you're going to have Acuna and you're going to have all these. You know, it's crazy. It's it's just weird to think about. This is day one of like 3,000 more days with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna lockdown. And that's what and we talked MLB, about. I'm sorry. Go if, ahead. MLB, if MLB is smart and the Braves can be in on this too. Get those two guys a reality show somewhere. Put it on the MLB network. Please, I would, I would, I would literally pay to watch that just to watch those two in their daily hijinks. But Doc, you and I talked about this. You know, we talked about this last week about how now that Acuna got signed, it's going to be Albies coming up next. And lo and behold, it does. And Doc and I have been talking about this. I, w- I want to go back a little bit to what you were mentioned about the the MLBPA and just the rash of extensions. Doc and I actually talked about this. <sighs> going on about six months ago, maybe even a little bit longer. We've been talking about that for a while when you started seeing these guys. And we've had a few national guys on, and they, they kind of seem to push back against the idea. But it is kind of this this new way that teams are going about it. And I, I was just thinking about this while you guys were talking. I wonder what role and how analytical front offices have gotten. I wonder how big of a role that plays. Because now that we can see you know the, the traditional type of, oh, well, he hit 340, so he should be good to go we're starting to see that there are flaws to numerous types of players on one hand and on the other, that you can get similar production out of, out of two guys essentially for the same slot and pay significantly less. I do wonder what type of factor that may have been playing as far as these deals go and these extensions go, because 5 million seems incredibly light when you view it in that vacuum. And then you start looking around the league, you start looking at guys that can do what Ozzy can do. Like Whit Merrifield, I would probably say is, is a little bit better than Ozzy right now. But Ozzy will, I think Ozzy will definitely get better. I just kind of wonder if this kind of shift in front office uh, logic towards the analytical side, I wonder if that's played any part in this in these types of team-friendly extensions. Well, in the case of Merrifield, I mean, he's a little different because he's an older player, and by the time he hits free agency, he's going to be well into his 30s, and the money's not going to be there for him. That was a total panic security move on his part. He had to do it in order to see him. I mean, Ozzy was just... It gambling a little bit versus security versus the ability to make more money later. Merrifield was never going to see that money, so he is either take it now or don't get it at all. But well, um, you look at guys like but, Brandon Lau, the 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 Rays have done with Brandon Lau, the Phillies with Scott Kingery. You've seen it with Aaron Hicks. You've seen it with Aaron Nola. I mean, it's just a lot of these guys seem to be taking these deals, and I, I, I gotta think that before the front offices were were driven the way that they were, that these are guys that would have been getting Jason Hayward type or that type of money, not necessarily the exact same amount as Jason, but those types of extensions. And one uh, underrated aspect of this has been the entry part of it. Of course, they talk about the uh, Acuna and all these want security out of this. They've had their scares with the injuries. Acuna last year um, with his knee in Boston, which at first we thought that knee was going to be shredded, but he escaped with uh, only missing a, a little bit of time, relatively speaking, when he went down like he was shot at first base. And Albies had his scare, too, a couple years ago when in, in minor leagues at Mississippi, he broke his elbow on a swing. That kind of stuff is probably was taken into account when they're doing these extensions. Like, hey, this can end or go badly at any moment. Let's uh, do this while we can. Secure the future. As it pertains to, to front offices and the analytical movement, I mean, front offices have gotten so much smarter. Like the, the leverage. In addition to the to the market shifting, or the market is shifting because the leverage is shifting. You know, you've got you've got much better ability for predictive analytics, and you can come to somebody and say with with a lot of faith, like, 
based on everything you've done, this is this is what this is saying. You know, this isn't a person saying this. These are these are numbers that are saying that this is going to happen. Like, don't don't get mad at us because there have been models that have been designed to predict exactly what you're going to do. Now, granted, players will scoff at that and say, oh, that'll never happen to me. And sometimes things like that are going to wind up happening. So the the base of data that, that they're working with is so much bigger and it's getting smarter every day. That's why you see teams like the Braves that are beefing up their front offices with stuff like this. I mean, the the Mike Fast move, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, some some big statements have been made about the importance of it. And God knows I, I have made some of them. I think that was a very important signing. And I would be surprised if, if some of the things that he, uh, some, the models that he created when it came down to uh, how he was helping construct the roster in Houston or, or kind of directing them for certain guys to go after because of certain things that stood out about their game. When you can design models to say like, this is, this is the exact type of contract that this player should get. Like, even if it's, not specific to Aldi's profile or Acuna's profile, you could run those numbers and say, this is what this type of player should be making, even if it's not an individual thing. So, it's, Well, in Ozzy's case, you saw the, his speed and his defense that he displayed last season, even when he was slumping or whatever you want to call it in the second half of the season, he's going to have those, uh, that's going to be great value as it is anyway. And of course, hitting from uh, versus left-handers from the right side of the plate. Uh, the early success you've seen from him this season versus right-handers from the left side of the plate the, I'm guessing that those uh, statistical models you're talking about showing that this is very real development for him. And that's probably why they want to go ahead and get the extension signed, because if he has a big year from that side of the plate and he turns into, say, a five or six war player, the price may have gone up going on from there. I think there's well, no doubt that it would. I think if you're talking, I mean, you're, if you're talking about a three and a half war player, you're talking about somebody that ideally I think that you'd be paying anywhere from 10 to 12 a year for. I don't think that that would be outrageous, but you, you just kind of touched on, you know, Ozzy's developments, which I think are amazing. When you start seeing him actually taking pitches and not just swinging out of his shoes at every pitch, I think that's a for real development. And it's a great development for the Braves who are coming off one hell of a week. When you talk about everything that's happening now with the, the Aussie extension, uh, you get into outside of after the opening day series or the opening series against Philadelphia, the sky looked like it was falling. And for the most part, everything is kind of turned around and it's just kind of encapsulated what has been a, a great start for the Braves after what I still maintain was a very disappointing offseason. So it's good to see. And I do want to pivot off of Aussie for a minute because we could do an entire show just talking about this Aussie extension, but we do have other stuff that we have to talk about. So kind of th- focusing on, on what's happening and, and the way Aussie's been batting. My question now is really with his new at, at his new style at the plate where he's not trying to lift everything, you know, three rows deep. How much longer is it before we see him at the top of the lineup? Oh, I don't think it's going to be long at all, and especially with uh, Ender getting off to somewhat of a slow start, as he traditionally does each year. When he, I mean, obviously, he, he'll, there's a chance, like always, he'll heat up in the second half. But if Ozzy keeps going like it is, he may just go up to the top of the order and stay there. As we've seen, uh, they're already putting him at the top of the order versus left-handed pitchers, but I, I don't think it's going to be very long before he dis- displayed the ability to be there 80, 90, 100% of the time. No, I, I agree. I mean, he he's very logical to be at the top of the order against against lefties and like even independent of, of Ender struggling. And and even for Ender, this is a bad, bad start. And, uh, you know, he obviously, you know, we talked about, talked about speed and talked about defense for, 
for Ozzy and and Ender, even if he's he is hitting 150, you know, you know, you can count on him. Um, if he does get on base, then he's going to be a pest. Or out in the out of the field, he, he's still amazing. But to me, there's no real reason to have <laughs> to have Ender anywhere other than eighth or ninth right now. I think uh, having Ozzy at the top, he's the spark plug. He let off some last year as well. And one thing that that Snicker said coming into the year, and this was had a lot to do with Acuna uh, being a cleanup as opposed to leadoff. He says you got to start somewhere. You know, th- this is not, just because this is what it is on opening day and for the first two weeks, it's always subject to change. And who knows? I mean, Donaldson Donaldson is crushing the ball right now. He has had as bad of luck on hard hit balls as anybody. I've seen, <clears throat> but you know, there's, it's entirely possible that if a, if a large scale lineup tweak happens that he could wind up getting moved out of the second spot. I know that he requested to be there or that was like part of the, part of the condition of him signing, but, but you never know. But then again, they won seven out of their last eight. You know what I mean? That it's hard to, um, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Even, even with Ender slumping. I mean, my God, if you're two through eight are doing that, good God. As you've seen, uh, between Donaldson and uh, Acuna, their BABIPs are just horrendously low. Their hard hit percentages are are sky high. Their exit velocity is up there. I mean, it's just a matter of time for their stuff starts to happen. And hopefully it'll be before somebody else starts to slump. But, I mean, you you get four or five of those guys at the top of the order hitting like that and be on a roll for a very long time this season. And it's just kind of everything seems to be working at once. You guys are talking about uh, Acuna and Donaldson. I would much prefer to see those two flip flopped. I've I've been more of a proponent of of Donaldson being the four hole. I think he fits that role a little bit more. Uh, and I think Acuna logically, I still love him as a leadoff, but a two hole is generally where your best hitter in nowadays in this type of league actually plays. Guys like Mike Trout bat second, Mookie Betts bat second, or lead off one of those two. Um, Francisco Lindor. I would like to see that happen for Acuna because. The BABIP is playing a huge role for Ronnie right now, but I can make a, a, I think it'd be dumb to just pass over the fact that he does see different pitches. And I, I was looking into this a little bit. Now this is before he hit two tanks in Colorado, but he is seeing significantly less four seam fastballs. He's seeing more, more movement on his pitches. He's seeing more, more sinkers than anything. Uh, and his, his percentage of pitches actually in the zone is down 4% from what it was last year. Now, 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but over the course of a baseball season, 4% is a ton. It's like when you say that Julio Tehran gives up 4% less home runs than he did a season ago, you're talking about you know a guy who gives up 30 home runs, and he might only be giving up 22, which is a big difference. I uh, I think that that with Acuna too, like he he is being more patient. He has come to kind of having the the bad luck thing going for him. And then you know there's certain radio stations around Atlanta that like to stir up things about how you know Acuna is not uh, not really carrying his weight since he signed the extension. Oh, so you're talking like, about you know, you're talking about ninety two nine. It's okay to mention them. Hopefully our well, listeners you, aren't real big on listening to them because they're junk, especially after they got rid of Grant McCauley, which was really the only reason for any baseball fan to listen to that station. I've I've got no problems taking shots. Well, I, I was trying to very subtly throw shade. No, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna not be passive-aggressive. I'm going to be what Chris Domino likes to call aggressive-aggressive. You're going full-on aggressive. <laughs> no, but I mean, there, there, it, and th- this type of stuff, I mean, the, there's still this war going on between like the traditional stats and like the advanced stats. You try to explain X-Woba to somebody. It's like, that doesn't make sense. How could it? How can that be relevant if they're not putting it on, on the graphics on TV? But, you know, you look at all of the underlying stuff for Acuna, 
everything's fine. Everything is fine. And he is being more patient. He's still driving the ball. Like two of his home runs this year have come on, on changeups low in a way that he hit out to the opposite field. Do you have any idea the amount of strength that it takes to do something like that? You know, so he's fine. There, there's just, uh, there could be some, some level of tweaks coming soon. And, and you get, you get Ozzy at the top of the lineup as soon as Donaldson starts to stabilize a little bit. And then Freddie and Acuna, I think Dansby is going to wind up hitting behind Marcakis. So like one through six, that is dangerous, absolutely dangerous. And it seems like every time anybody comes up, there's somebody on base. It, I wonder, I wonder what the percentage for each of those guys is for having somebody on base when they come up. I'm sure it's logged somewhere. <laughs> At the dig deep, one of our listeners who are awesome. I love <laughs> you guys like to do deep research. Find that out and tell us. Uh, I, th- I want to talk about one more person in the lineup, but we, we are going to talk about pitching because as, as you guys all know, I'm a freed fanboy, so we are going to discuss him, but I've been on this apology tour and I, it, it just needs to keep rolling. Dansby Swanson has been electric. If, if you want me to be completely honest, he's been the best player on your team to this point in the season. Uh, and, and people will say that it's the wrist finally being healed uh, or it's the not as much pressure being on him anymore uh, or the batting stance or, or, or the, the whatever, whatever you want to say. I happen to think that the batting stance is playing a huge role as far as what Dan done. And I talked about it on the front row yesterday. Um, when, when you go from a close to open stance, one of the problems with a close stance and why you don't see many people employ them anymore is you don't have the same depth perception. You have to get started earlier uh, and, and you're really watching the ball out of one eye in the peripheral of another. When you're sitting there in an open stance, you've got a more face up approach with the ball so you can see it a little bit better. You can let it get in a little bit deeper. And for Dansby, he's, he's really strong and he's got really fast hands. So that extra millisecond or two to react it doesn't sound like it's a lot of time, but when you take in the fact that a major league hitter has to decide between swinging at a fastball or if it's an off speed in three milliseconds, then it's it's a really it's a lot of time. And just even superficially, you see the the pitch recognition this year. Those sliders that he was getting killed by last year, that he was just flailing away at, he's just not even he's not even giving them a shot this year. He's just like just go on by. I'll wait for my pitch. Yeah, he still gets. He's still got a, a, a little bit of uh, issue dealing with uh, with uh, breaking pitches. Like I was, I was looking this up for um, for an article that I was that I was writing about. Ozzy is going to wind up coming out tomorrow on TalkingShop.com. Be sure to read it. So you mean it's uh, going to come I, out the started, same time as the podcast? What, what's that? So you mean it's going to come out the same time as the podcast? Essentially. Uh, yeah. Well, there will be a little bit of lead time. This is just a wet everybody's whistle. They they both come out on uh, on Friday the twelfth. So. But uh, but I started looking around at uh, I was curious about Dansby as well. And he's actually hitting worse on sliders this year as far as like getting the actual results. He's striking out less, which is good. So so he is um, putting it in play more. But but yeah, I mean, it's just the driving. It's all fields when he was in Colorado. Like I know that that the thin air in Colorado and everything, it's a factor. It's cores effect and all that. But like dead center on the three two count. I mean, he positively mashed that ball. And it's like every time he does something, it's. It's almost like with Acuna last year where I'm just going, is this real? Is this really what it's going to be like for the foreseeable future? And and he's not doing it with some crazy unsustainable Babbitt. Like Ozzy was hitting 500 not that long ago, but he was doing it with a Babbitt that was like nearly 500 as well. And Dansby is just doing it with, you know, 330, something that is absolutely sustainable for the rest of the season. Hard contact. He's making really loud outs and – Dylan, 
you're going to have to get a tattoo. <laughs> For those that are tuning in late, you guys are late to the party. I did make the, uh, the bet with doc that if Dansby wins an MVP, that I will have a Dansby Swanson tattoo and that we will live stream it from the TPS account. So, Lord knows I'm a whore for publicity, uh, and this is one thing where uh, my, you know my body is not uh, my body is not worth hoping bad things for Dansby. If good Dansby is good for Atlanta, so I, I just do. I want to point out again just how just really how good he's been, and that if this is for real, I don't think he's going to hit 345 over the course of the season. But the way it is right now, and he always starts out hot. So like I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit until I see him do it in May, because over the past two seasons he's always started out really well. I want to see him carry it over, but it doesn't. To me, it doesn't look like it's something that's going to really fade. The swings that he's putting on pitches, the way that he's able to to just watch a little bit more, and the power that he is showing to all fields. Like the, the home runs are not cheapies. He's hitting them to right center and dead center field. I'm excited to see that for him. And if if this is the Dansby that you get, and if working with Chipper Jones for like a week did this for Dansby, then um, one, hire Chipper's your hitting coach like yesterday, and two, it's, it's a totally different type of value. When you're talking about Dansby, is always glove first. If he can be... If he can be this good with the bat and the glove, now you're talking about a guy who is a top three shortstop in the National League, at least in the top five shortstop overall. So then it's a it's a totally different view for Atlanta in a, in a division where you're really going to need every advantage possible. If you get better than expected from Dansby, it's going to be that much better of a team. And it's not crazy talk. To, I mean, you might have thought this a year or two ago, but Dansby and Ozzy a 10 more possibly – the middle in infield for the Braves. That's insane. That's, yeah, that's that's elite level stuff. I mean, that's that's top top of MLB. Like what what shortstop and second combo is is going to wind up giving you that same that same output? Altuve and Correa, Kike Hernandez and Corey Seager, um, Jose Ramirez. Well, he's playing third, but Jose Ramirez and uh, Francisco Lindor, and that might be it. And even even Hernandez and Seager. I mean, that I don't I I'm Seager, yeah. Hernandez is. I don't know if I would. Well, I think I think Kike can be a three war, but I think Seager, if he has a fully healthy season, Seager is so so electric, and his defense gets kind of forgotten. Seager is just a really really good shortstop and an awesome hitter, so I could see that happening. But your your point is well taken that it is it is a phenomenal infield, and there's not any there's really not anybody that you would look at and be like, man, we need to upgrade. If this is the Dansby, then the Braves just got rid of one spot that you felt that they had to upgrade. So really good there. I do want to touch on Max Freed doing Max Freed things. I just want to remind everybody um, he's a starter, and he goes out there in Colorado in the lighter air in a place that is not really conducive to a big looping curveball like Max's because it doesn't get the friction on it to really drop. And he still pitched masterfully. And all he did was use his curveball to get more horizontal tilt and just drop a little bit out of the strike zone. Max Freed is on a different level right now. He is, go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say the only thing that's been holding him back is, is his health and his injuries. And as long as the Braves can quit playing this yo-yo game, putting him in either the bullpen or AAA or in the rotation, just let him stay in the rotation and let him do his thing. And if he happens to get hurt at some point, so be it, but at least you're giving him a fair shot at like getting that production out of him. I think that what he's shown over the last two starts, because for as good as he was in, in cores, then, you know, when he was – you know, I definitely in the next next segment, I want to run through some of the stuff that happened this last week because the starting pitching was was really really impressive. But Freed has had two of the best starts for this entire team. Like 
if he's not a rotation fixture at this point, like Julio, Newcomb, you know, let him fight it out. Fulpe's coming back. Soroka's hot on the trail. I mean, there's going to be some type of shift made here. Three stays because he five and two thirds against the Cubs in the rain. It may not have looked like it on TV, but it, I was at the game. It was raining. It's ass off. And to be able to maintain the stuff that he had and the grip. I mean, I was up in like 333, I think is the section I was in. And even from up there, being third base side, you could still see all the movement and everything. And I'm, my vision is horrible. There's no reason for me to be able to see something like that from that far away unless he had it working. I mean, kid is so special. And and he, you're right about the yo-yo thing. It has happened so many times and where we're all going, why are they taking him out in the bullpen? I mean, 97 from the left side, sure, I guess. But as you've seen this year and you saw it last year against the Cardinals, dude is a starter. It'll be interesting to track the blisters uh, as it starts to get warmer out because it's still uh, relatively fair weather right now. But by all accounts, he, he talked to Rich Hill in the offseason because Hill deals with a lot of blisters as well. And uh, he appears to have kind of got some type of a regimen to mitigating a lot of that. So he could really, really wind up being the most impressive part of this entire rotation moving forward. At least, th- at least in my eyes. And I, I think you're right. Just just another number of how good Max has been as a starter. Since 2017, with guys with at least 50 innings pitched, so essentially 10 starts, Max Fried is the leader in ERA- minus at 53. This is a guy people, – people seem to forget because he got – you know, because he came over here with the Tommy John and he kind of got passed by and, you know, he came up right out of the bullpen out of Mississippi instead of coming in as a starter. People kind of forget just what a pitching prospect he was and just how big of a deal it was for the Braves to get Max Freed from San Diego. This is a guy that if he had not been hurt, San Diego would not have dealt him. And San Diego is a team that knows a little something about scouting arms. And they thought Max Freed was the best arm in the draft coming from the same high school in the same rotation as Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty. Freed is a guy who, if he's right in the way that he's pitched right now, this is a totally different Max. He's added that little cut slider in there as well. This is a guy with four pitches who knows how to hit the target and to hit the glove with a breaking ball is really, it sounds easy. Oh, every pitcher should be able to hit the mitt. When you're talking about a breaking ball for a pitcher to know his stuff so well that the catcher doesn't have to move his glove on a curveball, that's really, really important. And I don't know that people really understand what Freed is doing. When you have Freddie Freeman talking to you in uh, preseason, talking about how Max is, is elite, uh, when you start to see it come out in these games, you start to see you know the, the, high, the high strikeout numbers, the, the walks have been non-existent this year. This is a guy that if he takes that step, like we all believe, not only is he going to be you know a, a good number five in the rotation, Max could very well end up being the best pitcher in your rotation, period. Here, here. And one thing is, I mean, he's going to end up having to have some kind of breaks this season because you're not going to get 175 innings out just because of uh, his workload over the last few seasons. Uh, in, in between the injuries and getting yo-yoed back and forth, he's not going to be able to do that. But I think that's going to be part of this whole seven, eight, nine-man rotation you're going to be seeing this year. He may go get some uh, – They may I don't know whether they'll send him to Gwinnett or just have him do a phantom DL stint to tell, try to kind of mitigate those innings and give – the likes of Tukey and Bryce Wilson some time up at uh, the big league level as well. I don't know. They're they're going to hear from an angry Dylan if he ever gets sent down again. Um, I I know what you're saying about the the innings and all that stuff. I almost think that that gets a little overblown sometimes. I think it depends pitcher to pitcher because at some point every pitcher goes from throwing 150 innings to throwing 200, uh, or from throwing 120 to throwing 170. I think a lot of it has to do with that particular pitcher and the way that he throws. 
Um, you can point to Newcomb last year, and you're, you're 100% right if you're talking about Newcomb uh, just wearing down last season. But certain pitchers, and, and Max's delivery is not violent. He, he's not overstressing his arm when he does it. I agree he'll need some breaks here and there, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see 150, maybe even approaching 160 innings if Max is approaching the season you know, correctly. I, I don't think that's out of the realm. No, it looks like in the last two seasons he's done about between 110 to 115 innings. So, yeah, getting about 125 on up, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a huge stretch at all. And it may just be more of a case they bring somebody in and kind of spell them to get six days, uh, every pitching every sixth day instead of every fifth day to kind of try to help mitigate those innings a bit. Whatever it takes to keep him in the rotation, he's been a different guy. He seems a little more focused, a little more, a little more grown up. He still looks like he's 12 years old, but uh, – you know he's uh, he's pitching like a man, and now it looks like that if uh, the weather holds out for Sunday night, he'll get that Sunday night start on ESPN versus Jacob Degrom, which is awesome. It was supposed to be Fulty, but I won't be shocked if they kind of ease Fulty back into it a little bit. Uh, and I'm never going to complain about getting to watch two of my favorite pitchers watching Max Fried and Jacob Degrom in, pi- in prime time. That would be uh, that would be just about as good as I could picture watching those two go at it. There's a, a lot more that we could talk about Freed, and trust me, I want to, but we do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus to the minor league system and uh, somebody that, that Matt got to watch up close and personal the other day. So stick on through the break. We will be right back here on the Platinum Sombrero. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Matt Kritzberg and Doc Herbert joining me on this week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the number one place to go for any and all online sports betting. If you like to make your games a little bit more interesting, MyBookie has you covered. All your favorite lines. If you want to lay a bet on the Braves winning the World Series, you can do that on MyBookie.ag. If you want to play different lines, if you want to play a parlay for the playoff teams, MyBookie has you covered there. Easy to use. Easy customer service. If you ever have any questions about a line, my bookie has you covered there. Excellent, excellent, excellent customer service. Uh, if you if you use our promo code Braves twenty five, then they're also going to match your initial deposit up to fifty percent. So if you throw in hundred dollars, they're going to throw in another fifty, and you're all set to have fun. My bookie, play, win, have fun. So before the break, I told you we were going to get into the minors, but before we do, Doc put a kibosh on it. Uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to we're going to run a quick overview of of just how good the past week has been for Atlanta. We're not going to go game by game, but there were a few things that really stood out to us. So, Doc, why don't you go ahead and start it off? Well, before we get into that, I did want to just say, uh, Dylan, do you know how I know that we have officially made it as a podcast? How is that? Because we have a hotline now. <gasps> That's right. That's right. I finally, if anybody who listened last week, uh, it was, there was reference being made to me needing to set that up because I had been uh, lagging big time on that and it is officially live. So in case you have any questions for us, if we ever wanted to do a mailbag episode, or if you just want to heard your voice, get your voice heard on the show, uh, call us 678-208-7982. Leave us a voicemail, leave us uh, accolades. You can tell us that we suck. You have the avenue to do that now. 
And if you didn't write that number down, uh, don't worry. We will wind up tweeting that out uh, after we get done recording tonight. So uh, call us on the Platinum Sombrero Hotline, brought to you by Godfather Clocks and Aquariums. It's even time is sleeping with the fishes. Back to you, Dylan. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm so excited to hear your guys, uh, your takes. Uh, only good ones will make it to the show. We are not just faithless. We're not going to play whatever you put on. You got to come with good knowledge for to make the show. But good news is if you make the show, you know you've earned it. Speaking of earning it, this past week, the Braves offense has really, really earned it. Their bats seem to come alive in that in that Miami series. And in the Colorado series, it was just more of the same. You've got Dansby sitting on four homers. Ronald Acuna got up to four homers. It's just been a different type of team, and the offense has really started to carry it. But it's not just the offense. They were, the starting pitching did not look great in Philadelphia, but they have really turned it around. Kevin Gosman obviously going tonight. His first start against the Marlins was outstanding. But, you know, you, I, I'm still kind of – I've said this before. I'm still a little leery on Kevin Gosman as a whole. I wasn't a huge fan of him with Baltimore. I know he had some really good starts with the Braves last year, but he also had some really bad ones. Hopefully he hopefully he is great because if he's great, then the Braves are great. Um, Julio is kind of the X factor. Julio looked amazing in his first two starts. And then in the Colorado start, which is a place, by the way, it's kind of odd if you're looking at Julio Tehran, is a place that he's normally thrived in. Uh, he had not given up any home runs in Coors Field until his start there. And he started off beautifully. Through through the first four innings, he was outstanding. Then he gets into, what was he got into the sixth inning, and all of a sudden the wheels just fell off. Yeah, he was he was rolling with a no-hitter for, for a while and, and making Colorado hitters look foolish. I mean, they're they're not the twenty seven Yankees, but I mean they've got Arenado, they've got Story, they've got They've got some some pretty heavy hitters out there, and he was making them look silly. And then in that inning, man, he just kind of lost it. I don't know if he lost his arm slot or or what happened, but as soon as he gave up that uh, that home run to Mark Reynolds, that was when you started to see it kind of go a little bit sideways for him. Aside from that, though, I mean, I was I was really impressed with uh, with Gossman's start against Miami. He wasn't just dominating the Marlins; like his stuff seemed really crisp it looked like had a lot of movement like uh he walked granderson to start the game off and then wound up walking anderson after that so through 11 pitches he had two walks and then from there it was seven shutout innings and like 70 pitches or something he was efficient he was moving quick he was feeling it he was really really feeling it it's just been one of those years for julio where if you're just looking at the lines then it doesn't look great but if you're comparing julio to what he was last year he he does look much, much better than he did a year ago. And I don't think the Colorado start was a bad start. It was certainly a bad inning. But it, without that one inning where things snowballed, and guess what, guys? Trevor Story hits a lot of home runs. For him to hit a three-run homer off you, that's not exactly the most egregious thing. Now, giving one up to Mark Reynolds, he's got big-time power, but that wasn't what you wanted to see. But I, overall, I didn't think that was a bad start for him. It was a bad finish, but the start, if you actually watched the start and you watched his pitches – you know, it was still an encouraging start for him. Still good signs. He was still working in the 90s, whether it was 91. Um, his slider, he didn't quite get the break. Now, we've talked about this. And Adam Ottavino talked about it with a friend of the program, Mike Petriello, about breaking pitches in Coors Field, uh, that they don't quite break the same as they do outside of Coors Field with the lower, with the, uh, the, the lower, what I want to say, what do I want to say here? The lower air pressure, I guess, would be the best way to put it. There's, it's a thinner air, it's a thinner atmosphere, so they don't quite break as much as they usually do. I thought Julio had a good start, and I think that that fifth inning, that was it, the sixth inning, that was more of a blip than anything. 
because he has been really, really strong in course. It's actually one of his top five ballparks that he's been in over the course of his career. I'm not worried about him. Uh, I, I and I honestly I like how upset he was after it. I do like seeing that fire from it. It has been a different Julio to start the year. Um, his first inning, you know, we 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 talk about Julio or death taxes and Julio sucks in the first. He hasn't he hasn't been as bad in the first this year. Like he'll he'll still walk some people in the first, or he'll give up some hits, or he might give up a run. But it hasn't been the same like sustained damage where he gives up three in the first. It's been if you're if you're a Julio fan looking at you, David, then you have to be very encouraged by the start to Julio's season. I think the most impressive pitching we saw in Colorado though was I mean, outside of Max Reed, it was the bullpen. The bullpen was very impressive out there. Glad you and brought that up. Not even the bullpen, it the likes of Luke Jackson and Chad Sabatka. I was so nervous, you know, and I, like I had tweeted out the Braves bullpen at Coors Field is an American horror story. And, uh, and I think that kind of, uh, that echoed the sentiments of a lot of people. And what did they do? The bullpen wound up going out there, seven scoreless innings with a bunch of strikeouts. Luke Jackson, y'all like, can we just be real for a second? Like we all hate on him. He's been my punchline for the longest time. And as soon as he starts to revert, he will again, but he has looked fantastic and here's the, <laughs> here's the thing with luke jackson he's got really good stuff his fastball is a little flat for my liking but he has good stuff but luke could go 25 scoreless innings in a row and i'm still gonna think that he's just going to bomb in that 26th outing it's just how it is he's he's on that dance track where he has to prove me wrong first but it's been very needed for luke and what has been it's been very needed for the braves and what's been a, a what we all know was the achilles heel of the braves Luke needed to step up, especially when AJ Minter's not 100% back. Arotis is dealing with some, with some shoulder soreness, so they're kind of treating him with kids' gloves. Darren O'Day might not actually have a right arm anymore. Nobody's seen, we're not really sure. He definitely can't pick up a baseball, so he's trying to learn how to throw with like a phantom arm. Um, but it, it's been a good outside of that Philadelphia outing. It's been good for him. Chad Sabatka, Matt, I heard your little, I heard your little punch there at Sabatka. I'm just here to tell you, I will hear no evil on Chad Sabatka. I know. <laughs> And although the overall numbers are, are, are awful for the bullpen, is looking at their. ERAs, by the way, by the way, it, just to interject, everybody's only been. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Johan Camargo just mashed himself a homer. Sorry to interject. I just I just had to get that oh, out there. Well, of course you have to state that. Uh, but as far as the bullpen's concerned, with these ER, horrible ERAs, but each, it seems like each one of them has just been played by one bad outing, and every other outing other than that has just been great. Yeah, for Luke Jackson, obviously, it was opening day in Philly. Chad Sabatka had one awful outing, but other than that, he's been lights out. And Sabatka's came in a really inconsequential game, and that was uh, yeah, you're that up was, nine that runs. Was the free game. <laughs> you're up nine runs. That's the time where it's okay to give up a couple bombs. Yeah, go ahead. You know, but yeah, outside of that, and and you can't when you're doing that. You know, I do the same thing where I'm like, it was just the one bad outing. I'm like, you can't just do that, <laughs> but but you can though, <laughs> because like. You know, Jackson had, you know, he looked like Luke Jackson of old. But, I mean, he has been, he's got a lower XFIP than Josh Hader. That's not a joke, dude. <laughs> like, everything that he's done has, has indicated that he has been just as good as Josh Hader somehow. Listen, you know, you, listen. We saw the same thing with Shane Carl last year. Let's not go overly crazy. No, I mean, hey, hey this, is, this is what we are talking about in the first segment. I'm just presenting you with numbers. Independent of everything, man, the numbers are just telling me this is XFIT. This is expected based on a thousand different scenarios that have played out already. But, uh, but you know, the early early in the season, it's so good to see the, the starters starting to go longer. Gossman going seven. 
Uh, Nukem going seven. Nukem looked really good after after the second inning the other day. Um, you know, because if Jesse Biddle, Wes Parsons, Chad Sabatka, Luke Jackson have to pitch all year, then you're going to wind up looking at uh, very, very similar to Shane Carl last year, where it's like, how, and Dan Winkler, where it's like, how long can they really keep this up before they just wind up burning out? I mean, Wes Parsons is a starter up until uh, up until last year, I guess. And uh, so, but th- this is his role now. So maybe he's got the ability to, to go a little bit longer than some of these guys, but ask Johnny Ventures, ask Eric O'Flaherty, you pitch 80 times in a season, that's going to kill your arm. And speaking of Johnny Venters, how are we feeling about him? I mean, he's now, it's has an issue so far. It seems like his role now should just strictly be a loogie. I, I don't um, care yeah. what Venters gives up. I, I just love Johnny Venters. I want him to be a brave forever. Venters could be worse than, than Luke Jackson and pick a guy, Sam Freeman combined. I still wouldn't care. I just love Johnny. But Snooker, I, I realized that that's, that's his role at this point. Just come in uh, with runners on first and second and lefty up, try to get him to hit a ground ball and get a force out or a double play. That's the kind of role he should be in at this point in his career, not coming in to start an inning versus three right-handed hitters. I definitely I will, agree there. I totally agree. Totally agree with you on that. And can, can I also ask, um, what the hell is Josh Tomlin? What is he right. doing? He showed up for one <laughs> inning. He's just holding it warm until Fulte and Soroka come up and then one of the starters. But I really think that, that might end up being what happens to Kyle Wright this season. He might end up in that long relief role. Maybe Julio if he has a couple more bad starts. But that's the thing with this with this rotation. Everybody aside from Fulte and Freed should be on notice that you know you have to earn your spot because there's another seven or eight guys who are ready to take that spot. I think that Tomlin is strictly the uh, – if your starter can't go three innings in case of emergency, break glass reliever. In <laughs> He's case your you white flag. Eat up three innings at a time. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's, there's really no purpose in him being there unless they have some kind of advanced stat to show how well he pitches on 12 days of rest. <laughs> <laughs> He's just your yeah, wave the white flag. But, I mean, it's good news that you haven't had to use him. That's a good sign because Tomlin is horrible. Uh, and I, I know he went to driveline. I understand that driveline is amazing. The work that Kyle Body does is, is awesome stuff. Um, but Josh Tomlin is horrible. He was literally the worst pitcher in major leagues uh, last year. So glad that we haven't had to see him more than once. But, and part of uh, Tomlin's contract, and uh, Matt Joyce has this as well, is they have some uh, a clause in there called advanced consent that I believe uh, somewhere around May 11th, the date on there, they got, I think, 45 days from the beginning of the season. If they let him go, they can let him go for basically a quarter of their salary. I mean, uh, so they don't, they're not going to guarantee the salary until that day. Which is good, because I don't think Josh Tomlin is going to see that guaranteed salary. Matt Joyce, I think, will. Matt Joyce has been really, really good as a pinch hitter. Uh, more than an even trade for him and Duvall. So I'm glad to see that, that Matt Joyce has done well. It's just an all-around good guy. But we have talked enough about the big league club. It is time to allow Matt into his honey hole to steal the words from Jeff Francoeur. Uh, the, the real reason that we had Matt on the show. Uh, and if you guys have listened to, to him and Andy, you know that these guys are, are two of the most plugged in guys as far as the Braves minor league system goes. And Matt is perfectly placed to watch Mississippi, which I think might be, it's definitely the best minor league team for Atlanta. It might be one of the best minor league teams in all of baseball though. And I think it was MLB pipeline that uh, ranked different minor league teams in, in our rankings, and they said Mississippi was the third best team. The roster is the third best team out there this season. And I think Gwinnett was fifth. So they've got some definite studs around that are going to be providing lots of entertainment this season. Now, when you're talking about 
I'm going to keep an eye on Gwinnett just for guys like Grant Dayton, uh, guys like Thomas Burroughs and Corbin Klaus. But when you're looking at Mississippi, that is really the the one that makes you salivate. You're talking about Christian Pache, Drew Waters, uh, CJ. Was <laughs> it CJ? Uh, CJ Alexander earned himself one of the fastest promotions I've ever seen. But CJ Alexander, uh, you go into that rotation. You're talking about Ian Anderson, Kyle Muller, Joey Wentz, one of my personal favorites, Tucker Davidson, I'm, uh, and friend of the show Patrick Weigel. It it really is an incredible roster. And you got to go to the home opener, so you got to watch Tucker Davidson pitch. What was it? What was the feel around that atmosphere with them? Uh, well, first of all, I mean, originally I was intended to see Ian Anderson, but they had a rain out a couple of days ago, so they had to pitch their fifth starter instead. Oh, wait a minute. Their fifth starter is Tucker Davidson. That's pretty good. You're not getting an org arm or some organizational gun- gunslinger brought in from a different uh, team just to pitch for the day. You're getting Tucker Davidson, who would probably be a number two or number three on a lot of other minor league teams. Uh, and I mean, it was a pretty good atmosphere out there last night. I mean, they had had the introduction of the whole team since it was the home opener, and there was a lot of applause for a lot of people. I mean, people recognize these names. Uh, obviously, the casual fan doesn't know everybody, but there's a lot of knowledgeable people there who knew who a lot of these prospects are, especially when it came to water. It's Pache, uh, Alexander, Ian Anderson, Kyle Muller. I mean, there's a lot of excitement this season for this team. So how far are you from the stadium? Because you, you – you go there pretty often. Oh, I'm about 20 minutes away. Oh, that's nothing. Lucky dog. <laughs> I'll be out there a lot this season. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to get some bad weather this weekend, so it's going to throw the rotation out of whack for a couple of nights, but uh, it's still going to be very entertaining. And what was it like so, to see uh, to see a top of the lineup of Drew, of Pache, Waters, and Alexander? Uh, especially, I mean, I have ever seen a couple. I mean, Pache spent some time here last year, but of course, I haven't had any exposure to Alexander at all and Waters just very briefly, but uh, just getting to see those three in action last night, got to see the things they can do. Um, in the case of Waters, uh, I, I mean, I'd seen film on him as far as his hitting and his fielding, but actually getting to see him play out there and seeing the, I mean, he's got swagger. That's that's about the best thing I could say about what there was last night. He thinks he can do anything on a baseball field. And time's going to prove whether he can do these things, but just seeing what the things he was trying to do last night, he tried to score from se- he, he took a very wide turn at third base last night trying to score on a sacrifice fly <laughs> from to, second base. Tried to pull a Billy Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, he, he took that wide turn and then uh, changed his mind. But, I mean, he had it in his mind that he thought he could do it. And there's a couple other occasions where he's trying. I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm out there in right field, and he was trying to throw everybody out. He was trying to make any base. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's kind of the thing for Drew. I mean, Drew has that Bryce Harper swagger, and it comes by to he comes by it honestly. He's been that way his entire life. He was that way at Etowah, so I don't expect much to change. Drew is a guy that the new style of baseball fan, the ones that like these outspoken type of guys, they're gonna love Drew Waters. But Pache is the one that that's kind of like Doc and I's like perfect ideal type of prospect. And he's it's good to see you were there firsthand to see he's he's just roping balls. Yeah, he uh, even during the game, he was changing his approach last night. I saw an interview with him after the game, but I mean, he struck out on his first at bat, and it wasn't real pretty. But he uh, take a took a talk with the hitting coach and came back the next time out and just hit a rope down the the left field line, went all the way to the wall, got a double out of it, and then a defl- in a later at bat, he had a two zero count with the opposite way on a single past the second baseman. So he was doing some different things out there last night, but. 
he talked about the importance of trying to go after strikes early in the count to try to get his pitch to do what he wants to do with it. But you can see some definite change in his approach from the past. That's the, the biggest thing about these guys. You know, we, we get so caught up in them and, you know, we've, <laughs> we attach, not attach our hopes and dreams, but our baseball hopes and dreams, you know what I mean? For part of the, the fun of following minor leaguers is kind of tracking the evolution. And when you hear about guys that are projects like this, it's really cool to see them grow into what we all kind of know they can be. And I know that there's got to be some level of it that's bittersweet for you because this is like double A is like finishing school in some cases. You know, some triple A is like it's you get some of the organizational journeymen and you get guys that may it's like a holding cell kind of. But I mean, it's not unheard of at all to, to hear a player going uh, straight to the majors from double A. So with Pache, I mean, he was there two months last year, right? He came up in he was, he was about a month. He came okay. in the uh, beginning of August. Okay, so so you got you got to see him for a little bit. So you'll you'll get him for for a majority of this year. It sounds like before he winds up getting getting jumped up. But I mean, getting to to see him, it's like they become your kids almost a little bit. Where it's like you get so proud of him. It's like how am I proud of this guy? I've never met him before, you know. So it's uh, it's it's cool, man. You're you're really in a lucky spot. I, I live um, I'm probably about forty minutes from from cool right now, but I used to be probably fifteen minutes away from it. So. Um, getting getting to see guys before they go big time, and you know it's it's cool. It's really really cool getting to see them before you. You can say that you saw them back then or way back when. It's like seeing a, a band playing a club before they start playing like Madison Square Garden or something. And I think the guy that I was really impressed by last night was C.J. Alexander. I'd never had an opportunity to see him play before, and of course being in Florida for when he was I can't see anything from Florida because uh, Florida State League is pretty much just a rumor until they can start getting them on MILB, but. Alexander, I mean, he played third base last year. It looks like he started off as first base in this year. I think they pretty much just abandoned third base for him. Last night he was DHing and he just he was hitting ropes every time up. He is not getting cheated on anything, and I mean, it, the, the hitting was very impressive out of him, even his outs were loud. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about MILB. Most leagues want to increase their exposure. Uh, and, and expose more people to their product. But if you guys are hoping for video from anything, Matt might be your only source because MILB has decided, oh, we don't actually want you to watch any of our games or talk about any of our players or see any of their highlights or anything. We we, we want to be like the most exclusive nightclub with like a, a $500 cover charge where there's only three people in there. It's so weird. Like I've, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like every time, Every time I would go to Cool Ray, it's vastly underpopulated. And, and it's not just because I'm like going into the businessman special or something or like a 1035 game or something. Like even if you go at night, I mean, you're you're not looking at a lot of people filling up these seats. And and I'm not sure how it is uh, down at Trustmark. But aside from opening day, you know, they have the opportunities to to really market themselves that especially when you look at accounts like Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, who's like, look at what he's done for exposure for some really unheralded guys. I mean, you could do the same thing for, for minor league guys, but prospects are hope, you know, we're out of our rebuild now, but if I'm the Orioles, if I'm an Orioles fan or a Royals fan or something, I want all of the video I can get out of my prospects because don't make me watch the big league Royals, right. please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see the pictures that I can look forward to in a couple of years. I want to see more Brady Singer. Yeah, more Daniel Lynch, please. God, don't don't make me uh, don't make me watch. Well, you just brought up Billy Hamilton, so um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's weird. I just don't understand. Like, why why would they cut down on that? And it's and it's even more so because last night when once I started putting the videos up, I was putting some, some CJ Alexander videos up. I was getting a lot of uh, interaction with people he knows, uh, with his friends, his family, people he went to school with. Uh, even his brother Blaze, the prospect in the Diamondback system, replied to one of them talking about that. Hey, that guy can hit. I mean, that's the kind no of bias there. That MLB should be looking for instead of avoiding. I, I really don't understand what they're doing. It seems like one of the dumbest business strategies ever. I, I don't know what it is, why they are the way that they are, especially because if you even want to use their app, their video sucks on their app, and you still can't see Florida State League stuff. But if I were to ask you right now, Mississippi is just chock full of just amazing talent. So I'm going to say excluding guys like Pache, Alexander, Waters, Ian Anderson, Wentz, and Muller. So I'm going to take away like the top five guys, top six. Who is the guy that you think will will make the largest contribution, and who will make a contribution soonest? I think Ray Patrick Bitter is going to be a guy who yeah. contributes yeah. soon. I mean, he, he pulled his trifecta last night. He got a hit, got a walk, and got hit by a pitch, his specialties. <laughs> and he stole, he stole one base and allegedly got caught stealing on another, which was a terrible call by the umpire, so he should have had two stolen bases last night. But, I mean, between his versatility – uh, his defense, his speed, he could be in Atlanta this year. I mean, he could be, a, um, when you come to the playoffs, having a bench role where you need a pinch runner, where a guy like Lane Adams would have served that role in the past, Ray Patrick Ditter could be that guy this year. He's a plus defender, like, everywhere. And he's he's a blazer. He's got, like, legit 70, almost 80-grade speed, right? Oh, yeah, and he, and he takes advantage of it, whether it's taking that extra base or stealing bases. I, I mean, he had a very high... Uh, stolen base percentage rate last year uh got hurt a little bit obviously this year already but he's already got several stolen bases and i mean the guy's got a motor on him and like you said i mean he's got plus defense everywhere he's a regular shortstop at mississippi but he can play in the outfield he can play other infield positions i mean there's there's a guy like that could be very useful at the major league level who's your unsung guy who's kind of your dark horse to be a lot better than people are thinking uh i don't think i have one uh I think we've basically gone through the whole roster, <laughs> except for the guys at the the bottom third. But those are guys that I mean, you got a couple of catchers there, and Jonathan Morales and uh, Carlos Martinez there. They're going to be good, doing some good work with the pitchers. Uh, Jonathan Morales, I mean, if he could just get the ball in the air when he's hitting, that's a guy who could definitely make a name for himself at some point. Uh, if whether it's just a backup catcher at the major league level, but he's got he's a guy who could do some work. He plays third base too. If he could learn to hit in the air a little bit, he could be kind of like an Isaiah Keener Falefa, right? He could yeah, he be he a even played like a little second base last season too. So exactly like Isaiah was, I, I probably butchered his name. Isaiah Keener Falefa, I, I think is his name, but I'm not sure. But he could be a little bit like that guy. Um, as far as the bullpen goes, because we are going to get to the fun part of the segment here in a little bit. But uh, bullpen, is there anybody who's who I should really be tuning in for? Anybody that people should be keeping an eye on as far as might be able to make a quick run? Uh, not really. I mean, it's mostly or, uh, organizational veteran, veteran type arms out there. I mean, you you got Jason Hirsch out there, um, Josh Graham. Josh Graham's the one guy who's got the the most upside of the bullpen, but he's a guy who can just can't seem to get that hump between high A and double A. He's up and down between the two. He had a good outing last night where he pitched a scoreless inning. But you got guys they took in the uh, Rule Five minor league draft like Jason Creasy out there. Um, 
it's just a lot of veteran guys out there. There's no no, no high end outside guys. I mean, you had guys here last year like uh, Thomas Burroughs, Corbin Klaus, guys like that who have moved along. And I'm sure there'll be more guys coming up as we go along. But with the the five starting pitchers this season, hopefully we won't have a whole lot of need for the bullpen. I think it's a pretty good strategy. Uh, nobody has to worry about my bullpen because my guys can all close out games themselves. So that, that's a that's a good way to go about it. Um, interested. I'm really wanting. I'm really excited to be able to to watch nonstop Ian Anderson and John and Joey Wentz video from you uh, because I need you to give me every Anderson Wentz and Muller pitch that they ever throw. Oh, and by the way, I was like, they, they were sitting not too far from me last night. Uh, he rose over charting pitches, and Kyle Muller is a big dude. Yeah, he's, he, he is. is he is a full on linebacker size dude. Yeah, he's definitely stood out. Even I mean, got guys like Ian Anderson. I mean, I think he's fairly tall himself at around six three. But Muller stood way heads and above the rest of that group. Muller listed at six six. Joey Wentz at six five. Patrick Weigel at six five. It's a big rotation. All right, well, we are at that part of the show where we haven't done this for a while, so this was like Doc's one thing that we had to do today. So Doc's got some extra innings paired up for you, Matt, and Doc, I'm excited to hear what you've pulled. All right, so I know that we've got uh, we got 15 minutes before we got a hard stop, so I'm going to move pretty quick through these. I've got three questions and then uh, our, our standard segment to, to close things out before we let you get out of here. Uh, for anybody that does not follow Matt, first off, you should be following Matt. Uh, and we will get to where to find him in just a minute. But uh, last week, uh, news broke that your wife was bitten by a kangaroo. Um, I will not make you tell the story about how that happened, but I did want to ask, uh, in this hypothetical scenario for extra innings question number one, you have inherited a pet kangaroo with no name. Male. What do you name him? Hmm, Ozzy. There you go. Short, compact, lots of speed. <laughs> so this is so you've got a like full on reasoning behind him. It's like a, a easy one for one match with the with oh, yeah. the name and the profile. Doesn't everybody have a name for a kangaroo stored in their <laughs> back of their mind somewhere? <laughs> yeah, you've just known I was going to ask you this, haven't you? Had it holstered, Dylan. What do you name your pet kangaroo? I'm going to name him Atlas after Teddy Atlas. Maybe Foreman. You know, some some sort of boxing name. Jack. Actually, I take it back. I'm naming him Jack Johnson. That's not the right. boxer. Not the boxer. <laughs> Jack Johnson, the singer. <laughs> uh, so he's just like, he's got a, got a, like a ukulele. Hey, in his pouch. hey, you want to fight me? Gotta get through Jack Johnson. <laughs> See, I, y'all, y'all got reasons for yours. I just named mine Quentin because Quentin the kangaroo sounds like a Bob Dylan song. And I just, I'm here for that all day long. It just rolls off the tongue, you know? All right. So second question, what is the lamest tattoo you've ever seen? <laughs> Where do you even start? Uh, I know somebody who I may happen to be related to that has the, the, their date of birth on their arm. <laughs> Did you forget when you why were born? I, why? I don't know. I mean, is it like for identification purposes? Or <laughs> it's with your arm, they know who it belongs to? I don't get it. Wow. Like, is it is it big and prominent or is it, or is it just like... Uh, not, not real big, but big enough. <laughs> you even say like uh, a legend was born or something like that you know something to make it a little bit better or is it just the numbers just just the numbers that's amazing month month date and year <laughs> oh dylan what's the lamest tattoo you've ever seen <sighs> there are so so many of them 
Uh, anybody that has a tribal tattoo that is not an actual member of a Native American tribe, um, the bro tattoo of the barbed wire around your arm, uh, there, there's a whole host. But probably the dumbest that I have ever seen is when somebody will will do like, man, I don't want to call him out on this. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm, I'm actually going to call an audible. I'm not going to say because as soon as I mention it, he listens to the show and he will know that I'm talking about him. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to stick with the tried and true tribal and barbed wire tattoos. Uh, totally lame. They never look good. They're never cool. They're always lame. Now, when when Pam Anderson w- was setting a trend in the in the early '90s for the barbed wire tattoos, then uh, you know that's how uh, how you were being led astray. I actually I used to work with a guy in a restaurant. Um, he had his own name now, not his date of birth, mind you, but he had his own name tattooed in graffiti on the small of his back, and it was freaking gigantic. He was proud enough of it to show it to me. I'm just like. Where do I begin? <laughs> what what do you even say to somebody like not just in that instance, but ever again? I'm like, you have just identified that we are very fundamentally different people. That sounds, like, that sounds about, what's incredible. The purpose dumb. of a tattoo like that. I mean, is it, if you're horrifically injured, you can be identified. I don't know. Well, anybody. Been, Why would you tramp stamp your own name? Well, it's the same thing with the, with the date of birth. Like there's got to be some reason why you chose this to, you know, like if I have tattoos as well. And, and it's not, it, it's not my name and it's not, it's not date of birth or anything like that. But I've had moments where I'm like, uh, if I had to do it again, I, I don't know if I would get this, but uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's nothing like, I don't know, man. That's, that's just, that's kind of a name. That's just a waste of money, but Okay. So moving on, we got 10 minutes left and I think we can get done before then. Matt, give me two words that you would use to describe you and then give me two words that no one would ever use to describe you. Two words used to describe me. Somebody put something on Twitter the other day when they had heard my voice on another podcast and they called me a sophisticated redneck, which (laughs) I think might be fairly accurate. <laughs> do, do you take umbrage at the uh, at the word redneck, or do, or do you just you just roll? No, with it? I've lived my entire life in Louisiana, Mississippi, except for a little time in Wisconsin. But I mean, that, that, I think that's fairly accurate. All right, okay, okay, sophisticated redneck. So, and you and you will you can roll with that. I, I'm sophisticated. That's that's a good one. What's what's two words uh, nobody would ever use to describe you? Ooh. That's a good question. Fast, because I'm not fast. I've always been the slowest person any race in my entire life. Let's see, what's another word? Oh, musical. I'm not, I mean, I love music, but I cannot play it to save my life. I cannot sing. Uh, some were meant to watch and not do. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, fair enough. Uh, Dylan, two see, words to describe you. I'll just use some of Sarah's lexicon. Dick, um, and occasionally funny. That's that's three words. Occasionally funny is like there's no space in between occasionally and funny. That's like a dash. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that's fine. Now, now this would you describe yourself as a dick? Mm, every once in a while. Fair enough. I mean, I'm Fair not enough. just going to lie to you and tell you that I'm a perfect angel all the time. I mean, I know it comes across that way on the show. Oh, well, of course. I mean. I know you outside of the show. I know what I'm doing with here. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. All right. And two that would not ever be used to describe me. 
quiet. I don't know. That might be about the only one. <laughs> huh. I can't think of a second one. I'm pretty much been called most things in the book. So we'll, we'll just say quiet twice. No, that's that. I, I think that's good. Um, you know, this this was my question, and I probably should have had something locked and loaded here. I think uh, to describe me, probably uh, generous and uh, creative, I guess. I just like creating new stuff, whether it's music or uh, writing or doing stuff for the, the podcast. Uh, and as far as words that nobody would ever use to describe me, I think rugged <laughs> is probably one. Uh, I, I am most certainly a little more on the dainty side. And um, I don't know if uh, outdoorsy also also falls under the rugged category, but I think uh, I don't stand a chance. Like if, if I was in some type of situation like Hunger Games, I would just give my weapons away and be like, go ahead and kill me. You just go fetal position? Yeah, like I'm just going to – I don't stand a chance. I, I this, really don't. Can we make it a reading contest, please? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'd kill that. You know, I, I would be fantastic at that. But, uh, but all right. So, Matt. Uh, sorry that we had to kind of give you the truncated version of extra inning, but before we let you get out of here, you have to tell an embarrassing childhood story. Um, embarrassing childhood story. Um, when I was younger, uh, back at way back in the 20th century, and the only way you could get baseball information was by via newspapers because there wasn't a whole lot of it on TV. I mean, you had the Braves on cable, which is how I learned to love them as it, and sometimes hate them as it is. Um, the only way, other way you can get uh, baseball on TV back then is on Sunday, Saturday afternoons, the NBC game of the week, and occasionally during the summer there'd be games on network television. But there, other than that, there was no real – of course, obviously, internet wasn't around. So I got all my information by newspaper. So that's how I learned the, the players' names and the teams and things like that. Uh, I couldn't, didn't know how to pronounce a lot of the names or the teams. Like There was one particular team, the Seattle Mariners. Unfortunately, I did not have to know how to pronounce Mariners, so I kept saying Se- Seattle Mariners. And <laughs> at a party one night, uh, my, our parents took us to, uh, they were, were talking about baseball, and I kept referring to the Seattle Mariners. And finally, one of the other d- adults in presence had to correct me and say, young man, that, the name of that team is the Mariners. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll just never talk about baseball again or, or anything like that. So that's how that story went. I think some know, kind of unfortunately there's no defecation or, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's no defecation or vomiting involved in that story, but that's as embarrassing as I can come up with. No, nah, man, that's all good. We've we've had so many poop stories at the at the end of our episodes, it's amazing people even listen to the end anymore. So <laughs> so no, that that's all good, man. Well, thank you so much for, for running through. Uh, we definitely want to have you back on the show again sometime where we can kind of stretch our legs on this. But before we let you get out of here. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and elsewhere. Okay, um, at Braves Matt C on Twitter. Uh, do a lot of writing for Outfield Fly Rule. Every Sunday morning, we come out with a farm report where we recap the week on the farm up to all the farm teams. Andy and I put a lot of work into it. It is uh, it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. And then we have our podcast though, a farm, uh, uh, farm report podcast. With uh, just getting started, we just did our first episode last week. Uh, we'll be coming out every Monday morning on that one. We'll uh, do it on Sunday nights, and basically it'll be a uh, more expanded form of what we do in the written version of the Farm Report on Sundays. 
Thank you awesome. so much, Matt. We really enjoy having you on. If you guys aren't already following Matt, I'm sure you are because Matt's got more followers than I do. Uh, if you guys need to get out there, follow Matt, follow what he does. Uh, he's going to have a ton of video this year of all, of all of the studs out there in Mississippi, so it is a must-watch. Matt, thanks for coming on with us, bud. All right. Appreciate it, and I'll keep on doing it until MLB shuts me down. <laughs> right. They can't <laughs> shut you. You'll just start your own pirate video station. But all of you guys out there and Doc, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Always a ton of fun. Always the highlight of my week when we get to do this. Also, special shout out again. Thank you guys so much for all the feedback I'm getting as far as the Locked On show. You guys are awesome. There's been a lot of crossover. Love you guys to death. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. We will be coming at you again next week. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.